Hey, good morning, church. <clears throat> Man, I love to hear how brothers and sisters are just saying hello and greeting each other. I, uh, this is actually one of my uh, most favorite parts of the service, just because uh, I missed it whenever we didn't get a chance to do it, whenever we weren't gathering. But I, I am just so excited to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. Um, <clears throat> My name is Johnny Gonzalez. I am the executive pastor here at Antioch Dallas, and just know that it is an honor and a privilege uh, to be able just to be uh, this morning sharing the word of God with you. Thank you, Zach, uh, just for the opportunity. Uh, and that is something that I just never really take for granted. And a lot of times I have to pinch myself. Um, and just uh, the honor, really, uh, that, that we get to have uh, in many ways just to be able to have different conversations that we get to have, be in prayer for you as a church, and just continually uh, just be encouraged in the Lord uh, to, to, to seek the Lord on your behalf. Um, uh, to, to, be, to put it quite frankly, uh, this past November was something that was just as a reminder to me that, that the honor and the privilege that I feel, I would honestly have to step down to be the president of the United States. Like, that's how big of an honor it is for me. And so just uh, love you so, so, so much. And so before we get in and I introduce just a sermon, I really just want to uh, just encourage you in this, is that last Sunday we finished 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, where we, for 21 days during the month of January, were asking the Lord and we were saying, Holy Spirit, come. And as we were asking and we were uh, petitioning the, the Lord, what we did is that we rallied together both corporately and individually. Sorry, is it? Missing out? We're good? Okay. Uh, as we were just praying and asking the Lord, both corporately and individually, we were asking the Lord, Lord, here is our one big thing. And our one big thing as a corporate body was just to ask the Lord, Lord, Holy Spirit, come. Come into our midst. And so just by way of just encouraging you in this is that if uh, you were going through that 21 days of prayer and fasting. We mentioned this last Sunday and we said uh, for maybe some of you received a breakthrough on day one and the Lord showed up and you received what you had been asking for, which is awesome. And we praise the Lord for that. For some of you, it's now day, you know, 35 or 25 or whatever day it is now. And you're still asking the Lord, Lord, are you going to show up? Are you going to break through? And, but, and all I want to encourage you in is let's keep praying. Holy Spirit, come. Let's keep praying for that one big thing. And maybe for some of you, you've, you've been saying, man, I've been doing that for a few years. And here's what I know about the Lord is that his timing is perfect. We know that his peace surpasses all understanding. We know that his presence is continually around us. And so uh, what we want to continually encourage you in is that we build a lifestyle of prayer and fasting that, does, that isn't just confined to 21 days, but that is continual throughout. Amen, church? Okay. So with that, today we're starting a new series in the book of Ephesians. Everybody say Ephesians. All right. Hey, I, I, I want you to know that if you have your kids in the room, just know that if you're not saying a, amen, I'm taking their talking and their questions to you as, as the amen. And that's what's encouraging me. Okay. But if you want to help this morning, uh, just you repeating back and you saying amen, or you even just raising your hands or whenever the Lord is speaking to you, I just want you to know that that doesn't bother me one bit. 
So with that, we're starting in the book of Ephesians, and what we've titled this series is Sons and Daughters. And, and what we want to do, and you may have noticed whenever you walked in through the building, uh, our, our uh, mission statement says that we are sons and daughters who encounter Jesus, practice his ways, and build his kingdom in our city, nation, and nations of the earth. And so you may have wondered as you're walking in, is our mission statement changing? The answer to that is no. But what we do want to do is be able to focus in on a, 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 a rally around an action step. And so as you walked in, you read, we are sons, daughters who are being renewed in the spirit of our mind. And so as we, as we go through the book of Ephesians, I get the, the distinct honor and privilege, for those of you that have grown up in church, or maybe some of you theologians in the room, of preaching out of Ephesians chapter 1 today. Not, not, three, not 1, 3 through 5, but the whole chapter. Thank you, Zach. <laughs> so with that, I want to start off. Ephesians chapter 1, and to the title of my message, if I were to put a title on here, is Adopted by the Father. So turn to your neighbor and say, you're adopted. You're adopted. So part of what we want to do in this series, as we are being renewed in the spirit of our minds, we want to be all about renewing our mindsets. We want to be all about identity, and we want to focus on Jesus and his kingdom. And what we want to do throughout this series between now and Easter is to be able to help you build a renewed, more life-giving mindset. And part of this is because we believe that a better you leads to a better world around you. Okay. And so today I want to attempt to answer three questions. Um, I'm a big question asker whenever we get into conversations and you really get, you know, get me going. I start asking questions and so I don't want to be surface level again this morning. And so here are my three questions for today. Number one, who is the father? Number two, what did he do? And number three, where do I need to be renewed in the spirit of my mind? Who is the father? What did he do? And where do I need to be renewed in the spirit of my mind? So why don't we start in verse 3, and we're going to read all the way uh, to verse 14. So you ready to read your Bible this morning? You can count this as your your Bible reading for Sunday, okay? Here it is. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to to sonship through Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he is freely giving us in the one he loves. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. 
In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Buckle your seatbelt because we're going to be here for five hours. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so I, I had to break it down into some questions because as, as, as you recognize just from what we just read, it is just so jam-packed with so many incredible truths that I believe that the Holy Spirit this morning may reveal uh, just different aspects of Ephesians as we, as we go through this this morning. And so I'm going to try to keep a one-track mind, but I also recognize that I am just a vessel and the Holy Spirit, I want the Holy Spirit to minister to you. You this morning. And so there may be something that I may say that your mind is going to go there. And, and, and I want you to stay as focused as possible. But if there's something that you believe that the Holy Spirit is highlighting, we want to encourage you to take notes so that you can write that down and revisit it at a later time. Got it? Okay. So my first question, who is the father? Now, the reason why I'm asking this question is because if you, if you notice what we just read, uh, Paul here is erupting in praise. He's erupting in praise for the Father. In verses 3 through 14 in the original language, this is actually one long sentence that comprises of 202 words where Paul is simply going on and on and on describing what the Father, who the Father is and what he has done. You see, in verse 3, uh, he, the Father is the one who blesses. In verse 4, he is the one who chooses. In verses 4 through 5, Paul describes him as the loving father. In verse 5, he describes him as the one who adopts. In verses 6 and 7, he talks about how he is gloriously and richly grace-filled. In verse 8, he calls him, he's the one who lavishes grace on you. In verse 9, he's the revealer of mysteries. In verse 10, he desires, his desire is for everything in heaven and on earth to be united. And so as Paul is going through this, you can just imagine his, uh, the, the way that I could just imagine him writing is praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I think you get the, the idea. That he's erupting in praise because of what the Father is. And now, now uh, let me point something out here. As I, as I talk about the Father, I am, I am not wanting to gloss over Jesus. What I simply want to do is point out the subject of Paul's praise and exaltation. You see, the truth here that, we, that I want you to get is that the Father is the initiator. I'm going to say that again. The Father is the initiator. It's not me, it's not, it, it's not anyone else, but it is the Father who has initiated this, uh, this adoption. 
And so as the initiator, what did he do? You see, when, when we get to verse uh, 4, he says, In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with, the, with his pleasure and will. And then in verse 11, he says, in him, we were also chosen, having been uh, uh, predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. And so when, when we talk about God in verse 4, he, he says he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And so I get this picture of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that, that I, I typically don't like to do this because the scriptures don't, don't paint this picture, but you can only imagine. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit before the foundation of the world, before uh, Genesis 1-1, they're, they're sitting around and, and, and what happens? The Father thinks of you and he in eternity chooses to adopt you. This is not something that he did out of compulsion. This is not something that he did as an afterthought. It's not even something that he did out of mere chance or accident or coincidence. Instead, his motive and impulse finds its spring. It finds its platform. It finds its origin in the eternal and loving purposes of the Father who always had in mind to enter into relationship with us. His motive, if you look at verse 4, it says in love. So his motive is, is love. Another motive in verse 10 is that it's unity. He wants to love you. He wants to be united with you. And then there's this key phrase that, unfortunately, as a young man, as I was going through, um, I, I still am young. I still believe that I'm young. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm not that old. I'm not. <laughs> but in my younger years, let's put it that way, whenever I was going through college and studying biblical, you know, I was, I, my undergrad is in biblical studies. I spent an inordinate amount of time with my peers and, and even with professors who had PhDs arguing about predestination and what does this mean? But predestination, if, if we look at this word, I, I don't want to go into all the details, but predestined simply means the prefix pre before determined. And so what I want to point out to you is that God in his grace and in his loving kindness said, I'm going to predetermine to love you. Yeah, I'm going to predetermine. I'm going to determine in myself that I'm going to love you, not out of something and not love you because you did something right. But be, uh, or because you, 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 you have a certain social status or because you dress a certain way or because you talk a certain way, you have a certain pedigree or you have a certain ed education. No, he says, I'm going, I have predetermined that I'm going to love you. And in other words, what God purposed in eternity, which was our adoption, cannot be thwarted, changed, or, or overturned. Yeah. That when he thought of you, he said, mine. Selah that moment. And so the question then that I want to ask you is, can you believe that he is our father? You see, I, I took some time this week because I, I wanted, um, 
I wanted to talk to certain individuals from our church who have gone through some sort of adoption process. And, and, and I got just the privilege to be able to hear uh, some of the stories of the families that, have, that are part of our church. And, and, and as, I was, as I was talking to them, one of them said something that was really interesting. Because I, I said, I asked the question and I said, is there anything that I need to stay away from? Like, is there, is there something that as I'm talking through this that I don't need to be saying? And, and that person in particular just looked at me and said, hey, adoption is normally within the church seen as this incredible thing, and it is. But one of the things that we don't talk about often is how adoption takes commitment, it takes perseverance, and it takes strength. And so when I think of the Father's commitment, perseverance, and strength, it is no wonder that Paul begins to use this language of in Christ. I told you I wasn't going to gloss over Jesus because when, when he uses the words uh, or the phrase in Christ in verses 3, 9, 12, and 13, or whenever he uses the phrase in him in verses 4, 7, and 11, or whenever he uses the phrase through Christ in verse 5, or in the one he loves in verse 6, or under Christ in verse 10, or in the Lord Jesus in verses 15 through 17, what Paul is trying to make clear is that when the, when Jesus sent his son, he was securing our sonship or our adoption in the son, in Jesus Christ. And so what I came here to tell you is that who is the father is that he predetermined to adopt you in his own son, that whenever he sees Jesus, uh, the scriptures would say that he actually, whenever he sees you, he actually sees Jesus. That unto God, we are the aroma of Christ for those who believe. And not only did he do that, but in verse 13, the, the scriptures would say in, in uh, Ephesians 1, it says that when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Why is this? Uh, why, this was so fascinating to me because one of the interesting facts that I learned as we were as we were as talking with these different families in our church was this: is that is that having whenever they were going through adoption, it's whenever they finally reach the point of this child being adopted, their birth certificate changes. How does it change? It changes by like their, their, their former parents are, are no longer on this birth certificate, but the new parents get assigned on this birth certificate. The, the, the family has an opportunity to change this child's name. So, so as I was having this conversation, this person said, in, in essence, what happens is that kid's identity changes. So whenever we get found in Christ, I don't know about you, but the scriptures would say that he changes our name, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We have a new identity that I am no longer who, where I came from. I'm no longer a part of my past. I'm no longer who, who it is or whose son or daughter it is that I am, but I am the father's and the father is mine. I get identified with who he has called me and made me to be. My birth certificate changes, y'all. You see, whenever I was born, uh, my, 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 for those uh, alert, my, my name is not Johnny. That's what I go by. But yeah, 
that, that's not my real name. My real name is actually Juan de Dios. Everybody say Juan de Dios. Yeah. <laughs> Juan de Dios means John of God in, in Spanish. And the reason for that is when, when my dad uh, was younger, uh, he was, and, and he doesn't mind me sharing this, uh, he was an alcoholic, he was a drug addict. And whenever, uh, whenever, whenever his uh, youngest brother passed away, he decided to give his life to the Lord. And when he gave his life to the Lord, uh, he, he said, hey, mom, I, I want to have another baby. My mom thought he was crazy, but they ended up having another baby. And when they did, he said, I'm going to dedicate this child to God. And his name is going to be John of God or lover of God. It also helps that my mom's maiden name is De Paz. So in Hispanic culture, uh, we not only take on our, our father's last name, but we also take on our mother's maiden name. So on my birth certificate, it says Juan de Dios Gonzalez de Paz, John of God Gonzalez of Peace. Right. And so my grandmother would always say, man, God isn't going to need to change your name because you, you have the right name already. <laughs> But remember that story for later. But here's what I'm trying to get at is that when God gets a hold of you and when you are found in Christ, you are a new creature, a new, you have a new identity and you become his. Abraham Kuyper says this, that there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Everybody say Mine. So at the heart of God's adoption of you lies this truth, and it is the truth that you belong. So then the question is, where do I need to be renewed in the spirit of my mind? So if at the heart of God's adoption of you lies the truth that you belong, Scriptures would say that Jesus came to fill everything in every way. And if we are found in him, then therefore we belong to the father. And so when the scriptures make it clear in verse 13, that when you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promise, Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I enter into a time of struggling with my own thoughts and struggling with ungodly beliefs that, that, uh, plague my mind because there are many stories and this is also true of you I know it is there are many stories that will try to keep you from believing that you have been marked or that or that you belong or that uh, and, and try to tell you actually that you don't belong for some of you it's a story of not having a present father For some of you, it's a story of having maybe an uh, a, a abusive father or a story of having a, a present father and not really needing a heavenly father. But let's dig a little deeper. For some of you, the story, the question that you continually ask yourself is, am I wanted? Am I wanted? And you may hear, yes, you are wanted, but then at the back of your mind, there's a little voice that says, but if you really knew me, does he, does he really like me? Does he love me? Now, this is the place where for me, uh, 
I, I have to figure out ways to come out of this. Um, I, I can go into detail later, but to come out of this room that sometimes I, I put my mind in where there's not a lot of emotion that is going in. Because when I really start thinking about these things, I, I find myself that I isolate really quickly. I find that a lot of times it's really difficult for me to actually be honest about these questions that plague my own mind. And so last time that I preached, uh, I, I told you about one of my fears, and one of my fears was, was the fear of being left alone. Like, I remember vividly whenever we were getting ready and my parents uh, would be ready and we were going to church, they would yell out, hurry up or we're going to leave you. You know, and so that built this, this uh, fear in me that I was going to be left alone, and I, and I hate being left alone. But... The, the, the fear, the second fear that I struggle with, or even the second thought, is this idea that I don't belong or that I'm not loved. And now, that stems really from this, uh, this uh, childhood, that whenever, I'm, I'm getting a little bit uncomfortable here if you haven't noticed, but, uh, uh, but this stems from uh, childhood. You see, when you walk into my parents' house to this day, Oh, actually, no. My mom recently changed that to my surprise last night. But uh, when you walked into my house growing up for most of my, uh, m- most of my years, uh, there would be baby pictures of my brother up on the wall, and they would be baby pictures of my sister. Now, something about us is that I'm the middle child. I have an older brother who's five years older than me and a, and a younger sister who's six years younger than me. And so we're on very different playing fields, love them. They, they're incredible people, but just really just didn't grow up together. And so in that, uh, because there were no baby pictures and despite the great story of how my name came to be, uh, my brother would always ridicule me and he would always say, hey, you see how there's no baby pictures around here? It's because you were <laughs> and so, and so uh, he, would, he would say that constantly, and sometimes he still tries to do that today, but, but I, I'm not going to go into that. But he, but he would always say these things, and especially whenever it was, it was around maybe even milestones of my life, and he would always be like, hey, just remember, there's no baby pictures around here. It's because you were adopted. And so he painted adoption in a very negative light. And, and so for a while, I felt like I didn't belong. And if I didn't belong, then it meant that I was not wanted. That for a while, my, um, the anthem of my life was the song by Soul Asylum called Runaway Train. Anybody remember that song? Okay, great. One. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Zach, for getting me on that one. You can look it up later. <laughs> Thank you. You're speaking my language now. And so a famous phrase at the pinnacle of my most dramatic time as a kid was whenever my brother yelled that out and, and with tears in my eyes streaming down my face, I yelled out, nobody loves me. And I went to go lock myself in a room or in a closet. And a few days later was my birthday, which was the second best birthday of my life. I'll tell you about my first another day, but uh, which was the second best birthday because the next, uh, uh, a few days later was my birthday. And I remember my dad coming and knocking on the door. And when I opened the door, there was either, it was either a Twinkie cake or a donut cake. I want to say it was a Twinkie cake with a candle on it and a balloon that said happy birthday. And on the back was him writing all the reasons why he loved me. Now, 
I, I say that to say that, that Paul's prayer beginning in verse 17 is something that I want you to know that as, as your pastors and as a staff, we continually pray for you on. That in verse 17, Paul says this. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and a revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his, inglori- uh, of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The reason why he's asking the Holy Spirit to come and, and to give you his spirit of wisdom and, re- and of revelation is so that you may know the Father better. And that as you know the Father better, you would know that he has actually called you to know the inheritance you have, to know the power that he has for you. Now, let me pause here and let me address something here. Because when we as your pastors or we as a staff, when we like Paul pray that you would know God better, this isn't some disconnected way to dismiss what each of you are going through in your life. We don't just come around and flippantly say, you need to know God better. What, what, what we are actually doing is actually recognizing that as his children, he has given us wisdom and revelation on how we ought to live our lives as children, as his children in this world. That if we know him better, it, 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 it informs our mindset. It informs our behaviors in such a way that we are transformed more into the likeness of his son. And therefore, we get to live as rightful children, as rightful sons and daughters of the father. And so in, in my own story, Kevin, if you can come up here, in my own story, I needed to renew my mind by ridding myself of the lie that continues to plague me to this day. Those are two thoughts that I have to have renewed. First is, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I can't tell you how many times throughout the week and maybe even throughout the day, I'm having to remind myself of the scriptures and be able to tell myself and, and allow God to minister to my own heart and say, Johnny, you're not alone. You're not alone. And the second line really is, is out, out of uh, this story that I told you about uh, my brother and adoption. And, and it's this idea that this lie that I am not wanted. And so if I'm not wanted, therefore, what happens is that I temper my emotions and thoughts to that which is socially acceptable. I just temper it. I become muted. And so in recognizing that and telling you a little bit about my own story and my, about my own time, we, we decided that one of the things that we wanted to do is put a handout together uh, for you. You see, during 21 days of prayer and fasting, we saw a huge benefit of having everyone rally around one big thing. And so in this season, we want to challenge you to step in in this season where you are asking the Holy Spirit to renew your mind. And we want the Holy Spirit, we want everyone to rally around this unifying action to help us grow in our relationship with God 
and break the cycle of ungodly beliefs, that war that you war with on the regular. And so what, what this means is, is that every week we're going to be getting up here leading up to Easter. We're going to be getting up here and preaching out of Ephesians. And every week we are going to be um, uh, sharing truths out of the book of Ephesians. And the hope is, is that you get to take this home, put it in your Bible, put it in your journal. And whenever you look back at the truth that the Lord spoke to you on, on that Sunday, that you would open this up and you would be able to identify the lies that are going on in your own mind and in your own heart. And you would begin to press into the Holy Spirit. And, and, and this is going to take about seven minutes for you to do. This is not a big major commitment on a daily and so part of the reason why we designed it the way that we did is because if you look at the front, it's the graphic that we're using for this sermon series, but it's really a door that, it's being, that is being opened up. And the reason why I, I, we felt like we needed to do that is because as you enter in through the door, Jesus, you begin to identify the ungodly beliefs that are, that are in your mind and you begin to be able to press into the Holy Spirit and be able to, to engage with what he is saying and the truths that are being spoken through, to you through his word. And so this week, I took my own time to be able to renew my mind around the lie that I'm not wanted. And what did that look like? First, I, I gathered that when I'm operating under this ungodly belief that I'm not wanted, I feel my heart begin to pound and my emotions become muted. I go into a safe place where I rely on self. Step one, I, I, I began then to focus my reflections on what Ephesians 1 says about me. And I am the Father's Son out of His goodwill and pleasure. And then I, I began to write. And when I began to write, I, I find that when that my handwriting, it starts off really jagged because this is something that I'm needing to labor to be able to write down. And it's like, uh, my hand doesn't want to do it because I know that whenever I get this out, I'm having to confront this lie. But my handwriting starts off jagged. But the more I write, the more flowy and loose it becomes. For some of you, this may look like a picture. It may look like a drawing. But after writing it down, I revisit the truth and begin to see that I don't need to clam up anymore. The good news of the gospel means that I can love big, cry hard, and hug tightly. See, because last night is uh, we, just spontaneous. How many of you love spontaneous date nights? It's amazing. But spontaneously, uh, Lauren asked me, how are you feeling about tomorrow? And I just said, I'm struggling. Fighting. And the reason for that is because I, I came to an understanding that a lot of the emotion or a lot of the love, a lot of the, the, the things that I do, you, you, you may see, excuse me, you may see Johnny laughing and hugging and fist bumping and doing all these things. But here's the reality is that I love to express that even more whenever I'm not muted. That's actually muted, Johnny. But for so long, 
I've been operating under this lie that I wasn't wanted. And so I keep my distance. I high five. But a lot of the reasons sometimes or a lot of the thoughts that go into my mind whenever I say, hey, I'm an introvert, I'm gonna go into this really dark room is because I'm having to repeat to myself, I'm wanted. I'm wanted by the Father. And so living in that truth and dispelling the ungodly belief means that I actively reach step five for the Father. So what does this look like for me? You may think I'm, I'm, I'm crazy if you ever see me uh, you know, driving down the road, but what that means, it means that I get into my car, I turn on some worship music really loud, and I begin to sing with reckless abandon. Man, there'd be, there were times where I had to, I have to pull over on the side because tears would be streaming down and I can't see where it is that I'm going. <laughs> but then even more so, I actively reach for others by truly rejoicing and seeing them and letting them know and getting to know them. It sets me free. Why? Because I'm operating under a truth that God wants me. And it wasn't anything that I did or anything that I could have done or, or because I did something really well, but it was because before the foundation of the world, the Father adopted me in Christ and sealed me with his Holy Spirit. The God of the universe, the one who created heaven and heavens and the earth. The Lord, the Lord, to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He's gracious and compassionate. He is the one who adopted me. And when I think of that, man, my emotions become unmuted because I can truly rejoice in who he is. So as our worship team begins to minister over us and sing over us this song, and we know this song, man, let the truth of this song just sink into your heart. And friend, if you are in here or if you're, if you're joining us online and worshiping with us online, I just want to say this, that if you're in here and you're saying, I don't know Jesus, I want you to know that Jesus came to reconcile us back to the Father who is slow to anger and compassionate and abounding in steadfast love. And that the Father didn't just think of those that, uh, that, that will one day uh, say yes to Jesus, but he thought of his whole creation. And the reason why he sent Jesus down is so that you can come to a full and complete understanding that he chose you and that he loved you and continues to love you. So if you could just please stand right there where you're at, everybody. And I wanna ask that if there's anyone out there uh, on here in this crowd, or if you're online and you're saying, I'm watching for the first time, and I want, I, this is the first time where I feel like the Holy Spirit is burning in me. And if you, maybe you, and sometimes it feels like your heart is on fire, or sometimes like you can't hold it in. But what that means is that the, that the Holy Spirit is drawing you to the Father through Jesus. 
that Jesus wants to save you, deliver you, set you free of these ungodly beliefs, of these ungodly actions, and is wanting to draw you to the Father to know that you are a son and daughter of His. So I wanna know, with every eye closed and every head bow, is there anyone out there by raising your hand here in the sanctuary, or if that's you online, that you would just type in the comments and say, I need Jesus. If that's you, please raise your hand right there where you're at. I'm not gonna ask you to come up to the front, embarrass you in any kind of way, but I just wanna know. Lord, we just pray. We pray for our church. I pray for our church. I pray that we would uh, be able to dive in deeply into the deep water, into the deep well that you are, and that we would continually have our minds renewed by you. That, Lord, that when we enter into this simple exercise, that, Lord, that you would meet us in a powerful and life-changing way. Be our Father. Demonstrate your love for us. We pray all that in Jesus' name. Church, let's sing this song. Let's respond to the Lord.